Grace and peace, Forest Lake Church. How are you feeling this morning? Are you blessed this morning? Can we say amen? amen? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We serve an amazing God, don't we? And don't we have awesome talent as well in our church? Amen. Isn't my son awesome? <laughs> I just want to praise God for, for Marcus. This is my All dad. Right. He looks right. good, doesn't he? He's awesome. Anyways. I'm trying to look like him. But. All right, Marcus. All right, go, go, go. Family, uh, before we get started, I just have two quick things and we're going to get right into it. Because when you ask a Spanish man to be mindful of time, it's a very difficult thing. And so I'm going to ask, we're going to pray very quickly one more time and I'm going to do my best. But I, just two quick things. I just want to give a quick shout out to the Freeway Sabbath School class. I know a lot of you may not know who they are, but I see some of them over here. I just want to give a shout out to them because for the first time this past weekend... The freeway class, we, we gathered outside of the church grounds and we had an amazing time, didn't we? We had an awesome time. And so for those of you that don't know and are looking for a place to engage in, in more study of scriptures, right after this service, we go right to the youth center and we just come together and we, we, we continue the extension of the messages and we just dive in the word and we, we have a good time. So quick shout out, Antoinette, thank you for hosting that. By the way, happy anniversary. It's her anniversary this weekend, and so praising God for that. The other quick thing I want to mention, uh, they're probably going to hopefully put it up on the screen, is my email address. Um, and for those of you that know me, you guys know that I love the Bible so much that I tend to use a lot of it in, in my messages. And so if you are interested, if there's any Bereans amongst us this morning, I just want you to jot down my email, and I want you to send me an email afterwards so that I can give you the study notes that was put together for this message. And so I do recognize that, uh, oh, did, did the email come up? I don't know if it came up. Did you guys, did, did we get an email? Uh, maybe not. Okay, it's a very simple email then. It's called, it's arms, think of arms, 177. And this is gonna date me, but yes, it's at yahoo.com. Arms177 at yahoo.com. And it's gonna require faith on your part because you're going to wonder, am I really going to like this message or not? Do I, am I really going to want to get the study notes? But I, but I hope you do. And just arms177 at yahoo.com. With that said, let us pray. Father in heaven, Father, the flowers in the field, they don't fight for position in order to receive the, the rays of the sun. And Father, here we are, a group of your children gathered together. We're all seated in our place. And Father, we are begging that you would give us the light of the Son of Righteousness. That we might be filled today with your grace. May they rain down greatly in our hearts. May it minister to our needs. And may it make us one. In Jesus' name, amen. For Jesus, at this point, he was soon preparing himself to be betrayed by one of his disciples. The hour was quickly approaching where Jesus described it as the hour of darkness. And so if you imagine with me, you're Christ, you've got a lot on your mind. 
The state of humanity is, is weighing on the balance. There's a lot of pressure on you as, as the one who has to decide whether or not do I drink this cup that my father wants me to drink. So if you can imagine not only that, the cup, but just imagine the things that he knew he was going to have to endure. It was a difficult time for Jesus. Scripture says that he was sweating drops of blood. But, for, but friends, you would imagine for me, I would say that if there's ever a time where the focus should be on my needs, it would probably be at that moment, at that time. Because of, of the things that I, that I would have to go through, the things that I would have to endure, the things that Jesus was about to experience. But family, listen, listen. Jesus was not thinking about himself at that moment. He wasn't. You know who he was thinking about? He was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. In fact, it is in this moment where the gospel of John, it is registered three times, but we're going to go together to book of John chapter 17 and verse 21. And notice Jesus makes a prayer request on our behalf. Notice what Jesus says. That they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. That they, that they, by the way, is not the disciples. He was praying for them in the previous verse. The they in this passage is you. Yes, you and me. And what he's asking for is for us to be one in like manner that Jesus and the Father are one. You might be glancing over or using your peripheral vision. You might be looking around. You might be saying, really? Upstairs, you might be looking at a young person and saying, really? Christ wants me to be united with that person? And the answer is yes. Don't get mad at me, people. Jesus made the request, not me. Jesus requested this to the Father that we may be all. Notice it says that all may be one. That means everyone in this room, there is no time for segregating. We are all called to be one. If this was so important to Jesus, this was so vital that three times he declares this. And today I would like to share with you the reasons, maybe some of the reasons why this is so important to Jesus. The unity, the coming together of all the different parts into one. And I want to display something for you real quick. Uh, if it works, we're going to look at the screen real quick. Beautiful. If you'll notice in this map, this is just a map of the Middle East and Europe. And what you're seeing here is a bunch of worms looking things. And they're all kind of headed in one direction. This is an actual visual or representation of the current European migration crisis. And what you're looking at are countries from the Middle East and Northern Africa. And what you're seeing are, are moving data points. This was all supplied, by the way, by the United Nations. It was given to this company called Lucify. And they, they put together this visual. And what you're seeing here is every moving point in this map represents 25 people. Isn't that crazy? This year alone, estimates say that this year alone, there have been over 700,000 migrants arriving to Europe by sea alone. 
over 700,000 people fleeing their nations. And you know, Jesus talks about this. He makes a declaration in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 25. Notice what Jesus says in the context of unity. Matthew 12 verse 25, notice this. Jesus knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And no city or house divided against itself will stand. Did you catch that? No city or house divided against itself will stand. Here's the thing. Jesus had promised the disciples. He said this, I will establish a church and I will build it and I will make sure that not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. Amen? Amen. So listen, we've been talking about conflicts. We've been talking about external forces trying to break down, trying to destroy the people of God. But Jesus says, my church will not fall. My church will prevail. But to the same token, Jesus recognizes that if you and I, if our house is not one, if we are not united, but rather if we are divided against ourselves, you better believe it. We, we will fall. We, he didn't say you might fall. He said a house divided against itself will fall. And so we're going to jump over to the three major causes because what we're looking at here is that Christ is looking for oneness amongst his people. But there are things out there that cause division. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 20. It says that when we, when we strive, when we strive to continue to not uh, allow God in our lives, the Bible says that that's called walking in the flesh. And when I'm walking in the flesh, I tend to my propensities and the things that cause me to rebel against God, it just comes out. One of those things, by the way, and we're just going to hone in on it, at the end there is the word divisions. You see that? This is grouped in the midst of all these other sins that we consider pretty bad, like uh, fits of anger, uh, idolatry, sorcery, divisions. So there's a warning here that Paul makes in the following verse. And again, that's why you're going to want to email me so I can get you the study notes. Where, where it's a warning for those of us who create divisions among the people of God, we will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So this is important. This is something that we, we must take upon seriously. We can't just put it to the wayside. So we, we want to look at very quickly this morning, I want to look at three causes for divisions. Can we do that real quickly? Cause number one, failure to acknowledge the Bible as the only source of doctrine. And so I want to quote with you something real quick. This is, this is written by Michael Hildreth, a missionary in the Philippines and a Christian author. He said this about, about division. He said, it is truly diversity concerning opinions and aims, which is the underlying cause of the splintering of Christ's body into sex. We so often divide, not because we disagree on the fundamentals of faith and worship, but because we disagree concerning opinions. 
Doctrines which cannot be proven upon the basis of the teachings within God's word are elevated as a substitute for truth, which leads to factions within the body of Christ. And this morning, I want to give an example of this. When we, when we, when we get to um, situations where we're giving opinions and they're no longer solely based on scripture, but we use outside sources and we try to use those to substitute the source of the word of God, what happens? Can we, can we talk about a quick example? Here's an example of an opinion, okay? And don't worry, I'm not going to talk about women's ordination. We're not going to use that example. We're not going to go there. Let's look at a different example. What about the uh, 144,000 in Revelation chapter 7? Amen. The 144,000. Is it a spiritual or is it a literal number? What's your opinion? You don't have to say it out loud, guys. We, we, we want unity. Amen. <laughs> But listen, I just want to share with you this because there was a Sabbath school teacher in the 1920s who formed an opinion about this matter. And he took it upon himself. He was convicted that this number was a literal number. Insomuch that he developed a doctrine that stated that this number is not only literal, but God would soon purify the Seventh-day Adventist church. And all that would literally remain is 144,000 Seventh-day Adventists who would then, after this purification, would migrate to Palestine to a land that was going to be prepared by God. Sounds crazy, huh? But this was an opinion. And these opinions were wrapped around the idea of present truth. And it caused division amongst the church. His opinions, this man by the name of Victor Hutef, these opinions, God ended up getting him disfellowshipped because he wouldn't surrender them. Him, along with other groups of his, of his Sabbath school class, they left with him. They left the church. He established a headquarters in Waco, Texas. He went on, then went on in 1929, he went on to publish his writings. Have you guys ever heard of the book, The Shepherd's Rod? They called themselves the Davidian Seventh-day Adventists. Soon after, a division arose amongst that group. And then that group broke off and they called themselves the Branch Davidians Seventh-day Adventists. And then not long after that, the entire world became aware of this group when when a false prophet by the name of Vernon Wayne Howell infamously known as David Koresh, he led a group to a 51-day standoff, which ultimately resulted in the burning of that entire Mount Carmel Center. Soon after the fire, they discovered that he had died along with 79 of his followers. My brothers and sisters, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says that all scriptures is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. We have the only source that we need. It's the word of God. Let us be careful. Let us not fail 
into considering or fail to acknowledge the Bible as the only source of doctrine. You know, another great author who wrote a book called The Great Controversy said the following, the people of God are directed to the scriptures as their safeguard against the influence of false teachers and the delusive powers of the spirit of darkness. Let us be a people that uphold the Bible. If we fail to acknowledge the Bible as the only source, we will not be one. We will not be one. Second cause for divisions, rejection of the Holy Spirit's work. Rejection of the Holy Spirit's work. You know, it is said in scriptures, Ephesians chapter four and verse three. Listen to what it says about the Holy Spirit. It says here, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Isn't it beautiful that when the Holy Spirit moves within us, he is the bond of peace. Peace is an essential element for unity. Friends, we need the Holy Spirit to work in us. We need him if we want unity. We got to stop rejecting the spirit. And Armando, what work are you talking about here? Are you talking about expanding the gospel? Are you talking justification, sanctification? What, what work are you talking about? It's more specifically, I'm talking about the work in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Where it's written. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Brothers and sisters, the work that we're talking about is the Holy Spirit wanting to pour the Father's love into our hearts. We have to believe this. If we don't, the effects will be all kind of wicked, unloving speech which will sow the seed of discord and scare away many new converts and visitors. We need the Holy Spirit in, but Armando, I'm I'm hard-headed. Let the Spirit in. No, 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 but Armando, I I was born with a short temper. I'm Puerto Rican. Let the Holy Spirit in. No, but Armando, you don't know. You don't understand. I've been abused in my life. I've been through so much suffering for such a long time. Let the Holy Spirit in. And he will pour his father's heart, his father's love into your heart. Let him do his work. We need the spirit to work within us. Amen. Cause number three, finally, the last one. This is a big cause for divisions amongst our church. Showing partiality. Uh Uh-oh. Careful. Careful where I'm walking now. Favoritism, prejudice, bias. Partiality. (laughs) You know, as God's people, we love the fact that one of the, we love being attributed as these are the people who are the commandment-keeping people. We love that. That's right. Revelations 12, that's who we are. We keep the commandments. And we can, we, can, we can just give you all ten commandments like this by memory. We can even do it backwards. But too often, friends, we forget about the 11th commandment. Huh? The 11th commandment. Careful. Is this an opinion? 
the 11th commandment, which was registered in the Gospel of John, chapter 13 and verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Um, I love my neighbors. I come to church and I, I'm even willing to sit down next to the person I really don't like. And I, and I hold myself. I'm okay. I don't hate my neighbor. Um, I'm willing to shake hands in the time of greeting. I went up to someone and I was like, happy Sabbath. I'm good. Friends, the commandment didn't end there. For you see, it says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. You see, it's not good enough to just tolerate one another. It's not good enough to just accept, you know, we, we come here and what unifies us is the doctrines. No, it's not enough. We are missing the commandment. The commandment is to love one another in the same manner that Jesus has loved you. We ought to love one another in that manner. That should be the standard in this home. If we are not loving one another at God's level, friends, we may claim to be one, but the reality is we become one big lie. It's a lie. Why is it a lie? Because you say you love God, but hate your brother. So the love of the Father is not in us. Because we are not loving at the level that God calls his followers to love. And it's in the same manner. That's right. It's in the same manner. And that is why we need the Holy Spirit, by the way. We can't show partiality, friends. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 22 I want you to notice something here regarding the body, the unity. I want you to notice something very quickly. It says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, they are what? They are indispensable. What that means is the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, you know, those weaklings, the ones that are only good for, you know, doing the little stuff. No, don't come up here. Just be out there. The little people. You know, those are the ones that Paul says they ought to be treated, says those that we think are less honorable, we ought to bestow the greater honor. And so you, my friends, we need to recognize that you are indispensable. And you say to yourself, but, but come on, Armando, all I know is how to mess things up. You are indispensable. But I can't give a Bible study. You are indispensable. But I can't sing. You are indispensable. But I don't have any talents. You are indispensable. You are absolutely necessary. You must come. You must be here. Because it is through you that the miracles of God will be displayed. You just don't know it yet. You don't know it yet. You've been living a life thinking that I'm a nobody, that God can't use me. And you need to know you are indispensable. God needs you so he can work his miracles. So that the naysayers and so that the ones who they expect to do the big things can look back and marvel and say, wow, there is a God. You are indispensable. Look at your neighbor and say, is he talking to me? And if they ask you that question, yeah, he's talking to you. You are, tell your neighbor, as a matter of fact, you are indispensable. 
Go ahead. Amen. Amen. You are indispensable. And for those of us, friends, verse 23, if we can put it up real quickly. Marcus, go ahead and start coming up. If we can put it up real quickly. Those of us who think we are the qualified Christians, that we rank amongst the Davids and the Abrahams and the Isaacs. Those of us who think we should be bestowed great honor. We need to recognize that when we look upon someone and we think they're less honorable, we need to treat them with greater honor than what you think you deserve. Does that make sense? Some of us think we've been leading, I've been leading Bible studies and how many people have I baptized this year? Let me tell you something. The visitor that's coming here for the first time, we need to rain on them and honor them with greater honor than all the years of service that you've done. Let us not forget the parable of the lost sheep. The parable taught us that God rejoices, all of heaven rejoices over one, one sheep that was lost and is found in all the 99. So we need to get off our, our, our horse, whatever we want to call it, humble ourselves. When are we going to hold ourselves accountable? When we let the Spirit work. When we let the Spirit lead. And on a practical note, you know, Peter, Peter was one of those greats. He was a great one. He was one of the founding fathers of the church. And uh, he was in Antioch one time. And, and Paul took the time to, to, to confront him very quickly because Paul realized that Peter did something. Uh, let's look at the verse here. Galatians 2.11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Peter standing condemned? What did he do? This is what happened. He was eating one day with, with those who were Greek Christians. You know, those of the uncircumcised. You know, those who eat pork and bacon. Those, you know, those who uh, don't match the standards, right? And he was eating with them. And then a group of the circumcised party were coming in. You know, I, in my mind, I just visually envision, it's like, it's like the church board coming into town. It's the church board coming. Oh, and what did Peter do? He's like, uh, let me scoot over here. He distanced himself from those who were uncircumcised. And Paul, seeing that, it says he had to stand to him in the face. Now, he didn't make a, a scene of it. He didn't do drama. He wasn't into drama. It was probably a one-on-one one -on -one conversation. But the point is that he took, opposed him to his face. And church... If we as Forest Lake, in the, if we're going to get things right, if we're going to become one, we need to get into the habit of face-to-face -face conversations. Maybe that's what's lacking. Let's put the phones down. Let's put the gossiping down. Let's have face-to-face -face conversations. Let's put it on the table and let's get this right. How is this house? Are we the house of the followers of Jesus? You know, when I look at this house, I see a house that may be broken, but I see a house that still stands today. Forest Lake stands. And God made a prayer request a long time ago that we would become one. 
And that is our prayer for today, that we would become one. And I want to close with a quote that was given by a great man of God. You might, you might have heard of him. His name is Pastor Jeff Patterson. Where on October 10 of this, of this year, he said, he made this following quote. He said this, We cannot allow ourselves to be consumed by the conflicts of our day, even if they seem important. And we cannot allow ourselves to be split one from another. For we are family in here. God bless you.